0: Hi everyone, I'm Renny. As you know, and I am very excited today to introduce Tox Ayinla to all of you. Tox is one of my good friends, but also she is a strategist, a speaker, a poet, a consultant. She's she's everything. So I'm excited for her to talk to you about her money mindset and how we can all make. Better choices with money and figure out our money mindset as well. So, I'm going to hand things over to Tokes. She'll introduce herself and talk to us all about this. I would love if this was an interactive session. So, feel free to put your cameras on if you would like to. And also, you can, I'm sure Tokes will be asking us questions and stuff. So, just make sure you comment in the chat or unmute yourself so that we can participate. And again, the recording will be, I, I don't I'm going to give Tokes the recording. Maybe you go on her, on her YouTube channel or I can also share it. Uh, in a group but i'll i'll ask talks what she prefers after the session.
1: Okay I think both yay hello everybody okay let me share my screen um one thing that I'm gonna ask you for just in advance to prepare is to have something to write with. That can be your computer obviously or a pen and paper because we're gonna run through a little money mindset activity. So our intention for today is to really help you reframe your money mindset and just identify what that is, right? Because you're all in this group and your intention is to make that money, right? And making money is only one part of the equation because stewarding that money, spending that money well balancing the nuances that come with making money are also things that sometimes we don't necessarily consider in the beginning because we haven't had money at that level but these are things that really come up and I'm going to really just be sharing my journey with that because it's something that I've personally had to face and deal with myself and it just really I think it's just a great way to share by sharing my own personal story as well. So for our session today, it's going to be divided into five parts, super simple. The first part is the introduction. I'll tell you a little bit about me, some definitions, and then we'll go into money mindset 101, where we're just kind of discussing it. Part three will be how it shows up, where we're going to discuss like the different ways that your money mindset can show up in your actions regarding money. And then the fourth part is going to be overcoming it, right? Because we can talk about all this stuff, but I'm really big on tangible Tools and strategies to help you all with the things we discuss. And then finally, it's going to be a QA session. So please, I am not the type of person who enjoys just talking at people. So as we're going through, if there's something that you want clarity about, any questions that come up, please feel free to ask me. If I can't see it in the chat function, Renny, please just help me. But um, other than that, please, if You can wait till the end if you have like larger questions, but if something is really confusing, if I'm going too fast, if you want more clarity, just let me know. I don't like to just sit here and talk at people. So I promise you, I won't be offended. Even if it seems like I'm talking fast and you have to like cut me off in the middle, please do it because that's how we're going to get the most out of this time together today. So hey, I'm Tox, right? I've already kind of introduced myself, but I just want to give a little bit more of an introduction. So I'm a business and lifestyle strategist. And what that means is that I really focus on strategy. I'm, I do some coaching, but I'm more so into the whole, let's set up some time, let's discuss, let's see what you want out of life, out of your business, out of your relationships. And we'll work together to create a strategy around that, that then equips you with the tools to handle it yourself. So I offer strategy um, sessions. They're about 90 minutes long, where we can just talk about whatever your discussion or whatever your pain points are, and we can really figure out the strategy. I'm also a speaker and a writer. So I, I speak for a living, facilitations, keynotes, all of that kind of stuff, things like this. And everything I do focuses on mindset and transformation. So all of the tangibles are amazing. But for me, I really believe that if your mind is not aligned with where you want to go and there are hiccups in your thought processes, it's a real big hindrance to getting you from point A, which is where you currently are, to point B or Z, wherever you want to go. So I really like to fill that gap with a lot of different things. But mindset is really number one for me on that journey. So one of the things I use to help my clients and the people I work with is this proprietary system I created called root work. So root work is a strategic goal setting technique, and it can be used to track your goals, pinpoint inefficiencies, and also pivot effectively. Um, throughout this session, I've kind of drafted it in a way that follows like the root work methodology. So it really is broken up into four sections. So the first section of your root work is your fruit. So this is whatever you're manifesting, right? So this is either the goal you have that you want to create, or on the other end, the habits that you have that you don't like, and you actually want to uproot. It's very important to first identify where you're going before you go there. So we, first of all, talk about the fruit. And The purpose behind root work is to really take a look at the things underneath what we want, because often we look at this great goal that we have and we're like, oh, this is amazing. This is so worthy. And then after a while, the excitement goes away and we haven't accomplished the goal. And then we can feel like, oh, maybe I failed at this goal because the goal wasn't the right goal. But usually if you take a look at the root system, you'll find those inefficiencies. And instead of just scrapping something, you can Fill in those gaps. So the only part of root work that's above the ground is the fruit, just like with a tree. But then the other three parts are below the ground. And this is actually where the root work is. So the first, um, the second part is the depth, right? So how deep are you going with what you want? And this is really just your internal personal conviction that's required to accomplish your fruit. Someone can tell you that you have the, the most potential in the world, but if you don't personally believe that yourself. There's only so far you can go, right? So if we're gonna have a goal, if we're gonna change our mindsets, if we're gonna change our habits, you have to first of all believe that it's possible and be convicted enough to do the work that is going to be required to actually accomplish this goal that you have. So once you go deep with those roots, you can't just go deep because if the wind blows a tree over that only has deep roots, it's not deep it's not enough, right? So then we go into the breath, which is how wide you go. And these are the external supports and factors that are necessary for your success. You all are the perfect example of this already because you wanted to deal with your money, right? You wanted to change your money, set financial goals. And what did you do? You hooked up with Renny and joined this accountability group, right? You had that internal conviction and then you decided to get external support, right? Like when a, a tree has deep roots and wide roots you're more likely to be able to handle whatever comes your way because you're not just in it by yourself, right? And then the fourth um, component of root work are the nutrients, which I think is the most important. And I think where people usually fall off. So you have the depth, you have the breadth, you know what your fruit is. And then three months later, you stop doing everything. Or three months later, it's not working and you're not coming back to check why. So the nutrients are the incremental audits that help you track success, pivot, and make relevant changes you know, because you could have the depth and the breadth. And then three months later, you can realize, oh, you know, maybe the results aren't what I was expecting. And instead of saying, ah, it's a fail, it didn't happen, then you can assess the root work. Maybe the initial goal you had that you thought was the most important goal. Now, three months later, you're realizing that, oh, maybe I thought my goal was saving money, but maybe I should actually be focusing on having discipline. So maybe the fruit was off. Or maybe it's the depth, right? Where you say, I thought this was important to me, but as I'm going through time and checking my behaviors, my actions aren't aligning with it being important to me, which is also okay, right? Or you needed more support and you're being an island, or you're not utilizing the support you have by asking questions. So the nutrients is really where we take that chance to step back and look and determine what is really going wrong. And I think that's why this system works because we don't just look at something as a fail. We step into each of the parts and determine where the gap is and decide how we're going to fill that gap. So this is root work. This is what I kind of use to do all of my work, even when I'm not using it explicitly. It's the process that I really use to think about everything I do. So I just wanted to put it out there as something that you all can use as well to consider on this money mindset journey and just any goal setting you're doing as well. Um, The second part of root work is the root work model of awareness. And I think these five parts are very crucial to creating a change, right? So the first part is R for revelation. You need to actually believe that there's something that needs to be different. You know, it's not about other people telling you, you have to have that personal revelation within yourself That makes you know that, you know what, I don't really like the way things are, so I'm going to change it. Then the first O is optimism about your ability to succeed. It's one thing to say you need to change something. It's a whole other thing to believe that you actually are able to do it. If you believe that you're able to do it, then you're going to be willing to put in the work versus if you're pessimistic about your ability to change. And then the second O is the observance of required changes. You know that you need to change. You feel like you can. Now you need to figure out what are the things that you actually tangibly need to change and observe them for what they are. T is the technique required to implement these changes. And then S is finally sustainability of desired outcomes. Right? Because it's great to hit our goals, but we don't wanna backtrack because we aren't thinking about that sustainability, which is really what root work is all about. So yeah, this is the um, root work model of awareness. And yeah, um, since this is gonna be recorded, you'll all be able to like look over this. And if you'd like to set up some time to talk with me about that, we can also do that. And we can run through a root work strategy for you as well. So the objective of today is to help you understand your money mindset and see how it might be showing up in how you make, spend, and invest money. Because that's what it's about, right? We wanna make this money keep this money, grow this money. And sometimes it can seem like you're making a lot of money. You get to the end of the year, you see your T4 and you're like, I made that much. What do I have to show for it? And a lot of that can be attached to our mindset. So I wanted to offer this additional perspective of considering how your money is working for you, or maybe even working against you and how your mindset can help you fix that. So now we're going to get into my money timeline. So just from 2019, because that's kind of when like my debt hit a plateau or like the climax and just when things went interesting. So for those of you who don't know my story, I was working in wealth management up until 2019 and I just decided I wanted to quit. Like I had, I had been feeling the need to quit from prior, um, probably from 2018, a lot of different reasons why. I have some um, videos on that on my YouTube, but I just felt like this wasn't it for me. I quit with zero savings, which is not something that I would recommend. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, Yeah, Rennie has a video on her Don't Go Broke trying platform talking about my whole debt and quitting journey. So in that first year, I had no savings, but I understood that I was going to have to invest into myself in order to build my business out. So by the end of 2019, I was $30,000 in debt and I had made $4,000 $4, from my business. This is scary. This is a lot. And I thought I was going to make more money. I was going to do well because I had planned to do certain things like publish my, um, do book talks. But then 2020, as you all know, the world shut down. So at the end of 2020, I was able to pay off about 5,000. And I made about $12,000 in my business in that year. And then um, 2021 came, things were looking a little bit brighter. I was able to continue paying down some. So I was able to pay down an additional 10,000. And I made 48,000 that year in my business. And then last year, I was able to completely pay off the rest of my debt and also make $130,000 in my business. So last year was my first year debt free and also my first six figure year so it was a good one 2022 was actually quite cute when it comes to my business but this is the timeline of how it goes right and you can see a lot of different things here one there were some years where although i made money the debt didn't go down as much because i was still offsetting and paying for things right like i'm sure at some points the debt went lower than 25000 in 2020 but then surviving <laughs> i was offsetting it again and spending more and also the way that my business grew is is something that i think is interesting to note right where it looks like it was nothing essentially and then overnight or what looks like overnight it was able to grow quite quickly and jump like exponentially and that's all good you know this is all great but making money doesn't equal keeping money And I think that's what we really want to discuss today, right? Because it's great to say we're making a bunch of money. But as I said, sometimes we get to the end of the year, we see how much we made and it makes us sick to our stomachs because we see what we have left and it's essentially nothing. And that's really where the importance of having a money mindset comes in because it's not just about making money. When we look at these statistics, 78% of professional athletes go broke two years after retirement these are people making hundreds of millions of dollars. you know. So the question isn't, oh, I just don't have money, but these people have like ridiculous amounts of it, but how are they still losing it all and squandering it all by the end of their career? Two years after retirement really isn't a lot, especially when some of these people are making 40, 40 million a year, if not more within the span of their career, which is something that if you or I were to get that money, we'd be like, oh, I could never, (laughs) I could never go broke after two years because I take good care of that money. But it's easier to talk about these things than it is to actually act in the ways that we're presuming we will when we're in those situations. And that kind of takes us to the second statistic, which is that 70% of lottery winners also go bankrupt within three to five years of winning, which is also quite mind-blowing, right? Because someone who's making maybe $70,000 a year wins 50 million. You would think that, oh my gosh, if I won 50 million, it would be amazing. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't waste that money. I'd be able to spend it well, but the statistics are showing us something different. And this is why it's also really important to note that just because you're making it doesn't mean you're going to keep it, right? So with that being said, we're going to go into what is a money mindset, because that's really what we're here to discuss. So a money mindset is an individual's perspective towards money, including their attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors related to wealth and finances. It can be positive or negative, and affects their financial decisions or habits. So it's how we think about money. It's, it's, the things that we've heard since we were little kids that we didn't even realize are affecting our ability to make money, to keep money, or to spend money. So I have an activity for you all. It's a five-minute reflection just to get us into noticing where our money mindsets are. So this is why I asked you to have a pen or paper ready or just have something you can type on with your computer so what i want you to do for the next five minutes which is until 26 after the hour here is to answer these questions like off the top this is not a lot of time to reflect on it because you're going to have a recording you can always come back to these questions and really take your time to like dissect it but i just want you to do a quick reflection so the first question is if i was given a million dollars today how would i feel the second one is Who do I feel financially responsible for and why? The third one is, how did my childhood affect my view on money? And the fourth one is, what does money represent to me? So I will give you until 26 after to answer these questions. And I'll take a look at the chat while I do that to see if there's anything I can answer while we go through. Yes, okay. So I hope you all got to do some reflecting and If anyone wants to share, I wanted to give a chance for you all to share. I think I'll go through each question one by one and give anyone an opportunity to just come off mute and share. So would anyone like to share their initial thought around if I was given a million dollars today, how would I feel? Yes, Renny, is your hand up?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can go. So that we can i'm sure after i go more people will volunteer i'm sure and also okay yeah comment in the chat as well if you don't feel comfortable yeah. uh, so if i was given a million dollars today i feel like i would feel excited obviously it's like a big thing but also maybe a little overwhelmed like what do i do with all of this money um yeah. yeah so i think it would be like a mixture of the two even though i think i'm pretty good with money and i know i won't squander but still a little overwhelmed, but super happy, super excited at, at the same time.
1: Yeah. Um, I see a lot of relieved, empowered, happy, and grateful. And I'm at work, so I can't speak, but relieved as well. Thank you. I would feel like I can finally breathe. If I'm being honest, the first time I thought of this question, like winning a large sum at once, I, I would feel panicked. Like I would panic because why, first of all, <laughs> and secondly, it just, I think it it overwhelms me. Yeah, Ruth just said it. Like the thought of just someone just saying here, I, I don't know what it is. Like I still have work to do. I think we all do, but there would be this, yes, the money is great, but initially I'd be like, shoot, like who am I telling? What am I doing with this? All of these things kind of come up. Yeah, like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Like the world has been opened up for me. That is beautiful. I love it. Okay, two, who do you feel financially responsible for and why?
2: I can share. For yes, this thank you.
3: Because I also had a question. Mm-hmm. So, I put no one really. Okay. I feel financially responsible for anyone at this moment, um, but then I asked myself, I don't know if you would consider wanting to make my parents comfortable yes.
2: a yes. financial
3: responsibility
2: mm-hmm.
3: because it's it's a desire, but like if it doesn't happen, like okay, you know, what? I don't even know how to like verbalize it. It's yeah. something that I want, but I don't, does that fit under that question? And then I also thought about, oh, something else, or something or someone else that I kind of feel responsible for financially is my unborn children, yeah. which is also like one of the reasons why I haven't really quote unquote settled down yet. Cause I don't want them to like operate in lack, even though they're not even here yet. So mm-hmm. that affects how I move, but like, should it?
1: <laughs> no. I, and that's the thing, right? Like that's the point right sometimes you don't think about these things so logically and the question of should it affect it it's not about should it it's about does it the fact that you're thinking of certain decisions in your life and how they're going to affect the children you want to bring into this world there are people who you feel financially responsible for even though they're not here yet and the parents as well I would say for me I feel financially responsible for my mom um and so my dad passed a few years ago and my mom is fine like financially she's okay but for a very long time i was like i got to blow i got to make money because i need to pay off my mom's mortgage and do all of this and i was operating from a place of fear of like if i don't do this am i going to n- is she not going to be able to depend on me versus oh it would be my pleasure you know but at the end of the day those things do affect us because if you feel like you don't have enough or there are certain pressures on you your ability to feel comfortable to make certain decisions or wait out on certain amounts of money changes. Like if I was a mother today and I, or in 2019, if I had a child and I wanted to quit my job, the risk I took, my tolerance would be much different. And I might've stayed at a job that wasn't satisfying me, that wasn't making me enough because I felt like it was better than nothing. And now I'm four years out and I can tell this story, but I I also have to acknowledge the fact that My lack of financial responsibility at the time allowed me to be able to take those risks. So anything that comes up for you here is worth looking into and determining what it is. But it's not even a question of should I feel like that versus shouldn't I? Because you feel like that. And that's just what it is, you know? And I see a lot of people saying, My kids, my spouse, and all of that, you know, this is really great. But for the sake of time, I think we'll move on to the next part. But I'm glad that we were able to even start having this conversation and um, that Josie, you were able to bring that up, right? Because sometimes we feel like things are illogical, but for as long as our mind is telling us something, it's our responsibility to look into it. Maybe even if you look into it for 10 minutes and say, yeah, that's not rooted in logic and you move past it, that's better than putting it under the rug. Cause sometimes we don't know how these things are going to continue to permeate in our lives, right? And how it might be showing up in ways that if we don't give it the space to acknowledge it, we're just going to keep being faulted by it or held back by it. I think Bami had her hand up. Uh, Oh, someone had their hand up? Yes, please. Go ahead.
4: Um, Yeah, I was just also going to answer the question. I'll be real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So at first, like the first response, because I'm also also, like single and and stuff like that i was like oh no one but then i thought more about it or i guess the feeling would be similar would be like my mom um and the why part would be like just because of the sacrifices like she made for us when we we're younger and now it's like okay i guess <laughs> someone am on like i it just seems like i have to kind mm. of thing um so even though like yeah she's fine like they're okay and stuff but there's that yeah. feeling of yeah
1: obligation
4: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And these are things, yeah, especially from a Nigerian culture, yeah. it's kind of expected. And we're going to be discussing this even more because these are the things that really affected me um, as I was going through. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm in a bubble. So <laughs> I, would, I just want to continue to share it with everyone. Okay. So I think I just jumped through it. Yeah. How does your money mindset show up? And it shows up in our patterns, behaviors, and our thoughts, right? Um, move on to the next one. How much you make, that's one of the things that can be affected by your money mindset. Your perceptions of money being good or being bad can really affect how much you make. If you feel like money is the root of all evil, or you grew up with parents who said, oh, this person got money, and then they started treating people badly, and that's the conversations you've heard, even if you can't acknowledge it straight up, those things are indeed having an effect on you, right? So if you look at having money as a good thing versus a bad thing, it can really affect the way you make money. And that same mindset can affect your ability to ask for your worth. You know, that first question of if you were to get a million dollars today, how would you feel? If you go into a job and they say, okay, the range is 87 to 140,000, do you feel like you're able to ask for that 140,000? Or are you gonna say, I feel like I should stay in the middle? What is causing you to feel like you should stay in the middle? What is it about asking for what you're worth or being at the top that you're not comfortable with, right? And this then goes into the opportunities that you go for and you don't go for. So I have a friend of mine that I've been friends with since I was like eight years old and I was visiting her dad and he was asking about my business. And he's like, oh, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, Uncle Trevor, I can't wait to make like a million dollars. And I flinched when I said a million and he immediately stopped me. He's like, why did you flinch? And he's like, the same way you flinched in saying it is the same way if a million dollar opportunity comes up, you're gonna flinch. A part of you doesn't feel comfortable with it. And he literally sat with me and made me say, I'm gonna make a million dollars like five times. And something that I didn't even realize, but my subconscious wasn't comfortable with that amount to the point where my lips couldn't say it. And if he didn't bring it to my attention, there could be opportunities that could be life-changing and maybe it'll be a grant and I'll say, I'll apply for it later. And then three hours later, or three weeks later, I haven't applied. And now the next thing, you know, the grant is over. I've missed the deadline, but it's all of these things that are really affecting us, right? Um, The second part is how you spend and save money. Our spending habits and what we think is worth it and our comfort levels with having money. So When you think of how you spend money, if you are somebody who's uncomfortable with having certain amounts of money, you're going to just spend that money to get out of it, to get back to your equilibrium of comfort, right? And what you think is worth it. Some people will spend money on other people. Like it's easy for me to tap my card to pay for everybody's dinner. But if it comes time for me to spend on my business, I might have to do a million calculations versus if it's for somebody else, I don't have to think of that. So that also goes back to our money, money mindset, right? And our comfort levels with having money. Um, Last year, I received this check. And it's like one of the biggest checks I've ever received. No, the biggest check I've ever received. I actually sent a picture of it to Renny because I was like, girl, this is crazy. And I kid you not, when I received that check and I held it, it took me like three weeks to deposit this check. The uncomfort of that share amount of money going into my account was something I had to sit with. Because what was it about that money that made me feel uncomfortable? I know I earned it. I didn't, I didn't rob a bank, but the ability to have that money. And if I feel uncomfortable depositing this money and owning it, that means that chances are when it's in my account, I might start spending it down to the level where I feel comfortable opening my account and seeing that amount, right? So these are things that we really need to think about and consider. And then the ways you give or the ways you don't, right? And we, these two things I wanna talk about are the black tax, As well as wealth guilt. So, the Black tax is really the way that Black individuals, children of immigrants, all of these types of people are affected by money. So, what we were saying earlier about that obligation, feeling like my parents sacrificed everything for me. So, therefore, I have to do this. You know, our parents might have not even said it. It could just be us perceiving like, My mom and dad left Nigeria, great careers to come here and start from ground zero to give me an opportunity. I'd be an ingrate not to pay them back or people whose parents literally took their pensions out to pay for their schooling. And now you become your child, your parents' retirement um, chance. Those types of pressures that are on us are things that we need to acknowledge, right? Because maybe you're giving things to people, not because you actually have it, but because you feel this obligation to, and that can really block, those mindsets can block our ability to generate wealth and make wealth for the future. Of course, I'm, I'm all for taking care of my mom, doing things for the people I love. But at the same time, I also have to know if, am I doing this out of the abundance and the availability or out of duress and guilt? Because those are two different things, right? And that really leads us into wealth guilt. This is something that i created. It's kind of like survivor's guilt. I'm like the first entrepreneur within like my small family circle. Some of the money that I've been making is more than I know some people make in five months. When that happens, there was initially this guilt over me. Like, I, do, I don't think I'm better than everyone, but why am I getting these opportunities that others aren't getting? And now I feel uncomfortable even talking about it, or I feel obligated to like share money with people, offer them things, or even put them on. And putting someone on is not necessarily the thing, right? Because if I'm running a certain type of business and someone's skill set doesn't align, but because I feel guilty that I have access to this money that they don't, I now hire them as a family member. That can have very grave circumstances on my ability to continue to grow the business. But I think these are things that we actually need to acknowledge as truth. Because if you were to tell someone, I feel guilty for making money, they might say, how does that make sense, right? But it's all of these types of nuances that we need to pay attention to. Because that guilt can actually stop you from making more. If I looked at that check and I was so uncomfortable, too uncomfortable to cash it to the point where I end up saying, oh, wow, I never want to receive a check that high again, even if I don't say it with my mouth, but my subconscious, I can actually start to reduce the opportunities that I go for and the ways that I can grow my money. Because my need for community and the fact that the money I'm making is kind of separating me in my mind from the community that I've grown to be a part of can actually take a big toll on how we're going to make that money. So I'm so happy that you're all going to get a chance to go through this again. And you can really sit with each part because I think it's something that we could talk about forever. But um, as we move forward, like these are just some of the things, right? But now how do we overcome our negative money mindsets? Because all of this is great. You might have been getting new revelations, but I don't want to just leave you with the revelations and beyond my way. I want to give you some tips and pieces of advice. So it's really your strategies, tips, and mindsets that can help you get over it. So the first one is acknowledging and shifting your limiting beliefs. You can only fix what you know is broken. You know, there can be certain guilt that you're feeling that you you've never even thought was worth looking into, or maybe you felt so bad about it that you just brushed it under the rug, but you need to pay attention to it. Like going back to the um, root system of awareness, it's that that optimism and also that observance of what you need to change. You can't change something if you don't know that it needs to be changed, right? So you need to acknowledge it. Whatever came up for you as we're having this discussion, the five-minute exercise, be real with yourself. Say, I didn't think that I would panic like I did at the thought of receiving a million dollar check tomorrow. But now that I do, what is it about that? Not, uh, that's just my, that's just my mind. If I get it, I'm gonna be ready. Because based on the statistics, people who've been getting it are not even ready, right? So we need to pay attention to what our bodies and our minds are telling us. And then shifting from scarcity to abundance seeing is believing, right? Being around people, this group that you guys are currently in, hearing about wealth and how people manage their wealth is how you, you continue to shift it. You know, like you might be the first one to hit six figures in your family. You might be the first one to break certain barriers, but if you are, you need to surround yourself with people who are similar, right? If, if it's at work, maybe going out with certain people. When I worked in wealth management, one thing I'll say, although that job wasn't ultimately for me long-term, the amount of wealth that I was exposed to and the way people casually talked about millions of dollars, like it was 10 cents, expanded my mind in a way that was very necessary for me to be able to feel confident enough to build this business that I'm building. And that's that exposure, right? Don't just be around people who think certain things, Where do you want to get to? Who is there? And glean from them to fill the gap. This can be anything from podcasts, right? Like the um, don't go broke trying. I'll teach you to be rich. Diary of a CEO. Listen to people. You don't have to have a direct mentor. There's so much stuff on this beautiful internet that can help you get the information you need. And the next one is setting financial goals. Give your money a worthy job to do. When I used to be nervous about the thought of a million dollars, I reframed that by saying, the more money I have, the more I'm able to bless people and grow my business and have impact. So now it would be an insult to my purpose not to make a million dollars because then I'm actually hindering it. So then that takes it away from that anxiety because I've given it a job to do that I feel is worthy. So when that money hits my account, I'm not nervous because I already know its purpose and I'm allocating it versus just sitting there with a bunch of money that I'm scared to deal with or move around, right? So give your money a job to do. Make that job worthy so that every time you find yourself flinching, you can remember what that job is and you can get back to it. And then practicing mindful spending. Be intentional about how you spend your money. You might, just because you have it doesn't mean you have to give it. Just because you know you make more than your friends doesn't mean that every single dinner needs to be on you. Sometimes when they come, be the first one to yell, can we split? (laughs) Can we get our individual checks? You don't have to feel responsible for everyone all the time. And Rennie is actually a big proponent of a weekly budget. Like, you know, waiting till the end of the month to see what you spent, the avalanche could be wild. But if you're paying attention every single Sunday, taking that time to see where your money is going versus where you want it to go, going back to the fact that your money has a worthy job to do, If your money has a worthy job to do and you're not sending it to the places it needs to go, you'll be more inclined to realign it and stand up for the things that may feel uncomfortable, like those obligations to people or that wealth guilt that makes you feel like now you have to be the sugar daddy of your friends group, right? So be really be intentional with how you spend. And the final one is to get positive influences. And you are already doing that by being a part of this accountability group like-minded people on the same path with the same journey that you can support each other with when you fall off if you fall off you know that everyone around you is on the same path with you so you have this encouragement versus doing it in a bubble and feeling like you're unable to communicate it with other people right so continue to garner those influences um it within the group if there's somebody who you get along well with and you you want to have like a weekly budget meeting with them every sunday that you guys sit around and fill out your excel spreadsheets do that right like cuz the more people who are around you who are aligned with what you're aligned with the easier it becomes to overcome those hurdles and those mindsets because you're actively shifting them even if you don't consciously realize by surrounding yourself with people who are where you want to be right like when we look at the gap if i'm here and somebody's here my interaction with them is going to average me up you know so look at the places where you're finding those little gaps if it's in the depth of the root work do the internal work and speak to people who've done the internal if it's the breath then do that with people if it's the nutrients such as checking your budget every month find somebody to collaborate with set an alarm and a reminder i set alarms and reminders that make me feel guilty so i have this reminder in my phone for about i'd say a year and a half that at eight o'clock PM would say, if this is all you did today, would you be proud of yourself? And (laughs) just having that in my phone, eight o'clock, I usually go to bed around 1130. The answer to that question meant that I had three and a half hours to change it. You know what I mean? So if it's about your budget and you're like, oh, I'm going to be lazy to do my budget. If you know that what's worthy to you is buying a home, do this budget so I can buy my house. Like write it in a way that will activate your emotional sensors so that you will sit down and do it even if there's a show on TV that you want to binge or anything else. And finally, as we close up, now that you know what to do, it's time to do it. You have the information, you have the tools, but tools in a toolbox don't do anything for you. It's taking them out and applying them. So I really hope that this helped you. And Now, as we have like about 14 minutes left, I'd love to take some questions from you all. Wow!
0: Thank you, Tox. I love that. I learned a lot. So thank you so much for. Can we? Can we? Can we give a clap to Tox or write in the chat if you like the session? Okay. Thank you. I'm glad. Perfect. Yeah, I thought it was really good, and you kind of dragged us a little, just a little. I'm um, dragging myself too. Don't worry. It's, it's community <laughs> dragging. <laughs> so some of the question, a question that we got was, "Do you have any?" Tips on how to not let our imposter syndrome affect our money mindsets.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, I'd say for me, it's reframing everything. I think I have a video on my YouTube page. Like if you go on my YouTube, there's a playlist called Fresh Wealth, which I just started, which I'm gonna really be talking about, building fresh wealth and everything that comes with it. But it's acknowledging what are your limiting beliefs. Like if my limiting belief that anytime I walk into a room, oh, I think my light just died, but um, anytime I walk into a room is, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. Then what can I say instead? Right? Like we know the, the conversations that we have in our head and it's up to us to not wait for those conversations to come, but instead counteract them in advance. Like for me, one of the ones was I believe, like money is the root of all evil used to be one of those ones I used to think in my head, even though that's not even biblically sound. But then afterwards, I would say, money gives me the tools to bless people the way I want to. So as you're dealing with it, the first time it comes up, like don't ignore it. That's my big thing. Don't ignore it. Talk to someone about it. And then also actively write out a reframe, like write it out on pen and paper. So that anytime it comes up, counteract it by saying that thing to yourself, because it's gonna keep coming up if you don't, but you have to give yourself new language that like immediately like stomps that bad language out.
2: Well said, well said.
0: So everyone, how are you? Oh, go ahead.
2: I just wanna say that I'm sorry for being off camera, but I'm doing a mask with my hair, so. No way. <laughs> Um, I just want to say I, I enjoyed this session tonight and everything that I learned. Um, some things I'm learning now, and um, it's reinforcing what I've learned before.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: um I just want to share a testimony um uh, concerning um giving yourself new language and also tackling imposter syndrome because Rennie would know when we first met, <laughs> first had this meeting in the journey, I told that's one of the first thing I said to her, like I struggled so hard, so much with imposter syndrome. I know I can do it. I know I have the ability, I know I'm capable. and uh, just because of you know how money affected me personally. And how I saw money or my and money when I was younger and saw my family, you know, sometimes struggle and all of that. And uh, at that time, I didn't realize that it's because I saw that, I was affected and I was kind of crippling. But I remember when I just moved from, moved to uh, the GTA, I said to myself, one of the things I said to myself, I'm not going back in a minimum wage job. I'm not doing it. Like, I'm like, it doesn't matter what time I leg, I am not doing it. And trust me, it wasn't easy because so many people tried to talk me back into it. When I saw that I really needed the money, I was like, hey, might as well do it. But then I kept trying. And, you know, job hunting is not easy. But I remember when my first job um, actually called me and gave me the offer and what's that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask them for more. And at that moment, like I didn't realize that I was doing it. I literally went to Rene's video, watch all the video, watch how to negotiate. And literally cracked myself just for this one moment of asking them for more. And um, like you said, like, if this is the only thing that I did, but I would be proud of myself? And I can truly say I'm proud of myself because they actually did give me more. Ooh. So... Um, sometimes I, I would want to say just step up and do it like just just do it because I find that when you sit with your thoughts it's it's crippling sometimes so I would just say
1: simple, do it and then guess what even if they don't you did it yeah um Ruth that is an amazing testimony I am so proud of you and thank you so much for sharing and the last part of just do it is something that I think is so important. When people see that people are doing powerful things or whatever, they assume that these people are bolder than them or more confident. But I will kid you not, maybe this is probably the craziest thing I say to people that people don't understand. I have severe stage fright and severe anxiety speaking in public. And as someone who does that for a living, people are like, how does that make sense? Because as I believe Reddy put it there, motivation over discipline. I know what I need to do, so I do it even when my legs are shaking. People people assume that you, you do the things when you're no longer scared. But who says that that's a, that's a blessing or an opportunity that you're going to get? I go out on stages, especially when I'm doing stage stuff. I feel nauseous, like sick to my stomach. But why do I do it? Because I know I'm supposed to. When I'm done this, I'm probably going to need a nap because I'm going to be so energetically charged. But at the same time, like, don't you can't wait for the perfect time because who says that that even exists? If you're feeling convicted, do it while your legs are shaking and keep doing that over and over and over again. And instead of waiting for comfort, you start to develop boldness to face the things that make you feel uncomfortable. Um, Oni, I see your hand up, but I see like two different questions that came up.
0: Yeah, I'll read question. How do you figure out what your limiting beliefs are? Also, where can we get info and how to get in contact with you? So yes. I will send out your info after, of course, but uh, go ahead.
1: I think where you figure out what your limiting beliefs are, I'd say the five minute exercise we did at the beginning, really take time with it. Like write, Spend 10 minutes on each of those questions, five to 10 minutes and write out what you, it comes up for you. And then also pay attention to yourself if somebody is constantly asking you for money or you see a certain person call you and you feel anxious and then you still give it to them and then you're annoyed and you roll your eyes in the background, there's that, that could be a limiting belief that I don't have the ability to say no to people, right? When opportunities come that are supposed to, are the things that you've been waiting for, how do you react to them initially? Do you procrastinate? Do you delay? Do you get nervous? Do you self-sabotage? I think Paying attention to how you're behaving and how your behavior show up for you is the best way to determine your limiting beliefs because you you won't know until you get thrusted into it and then life kind of happens, right? And then you see yourself reacting in a way that maybe disappoints you or confuses you because you wouldn't have expected yourself to act in that way. So that's how you would figure it out. Um, I see Ronke, I don't like to accept gifts or help because I feel like I have enough. How do I overcome this? you got to start asking. And okay. So side note that no one really knows. I ru- I ruptured my Achilles two weekends ago. So I have a cast on right now and a boot. I'm a hyper independent human being. I had a mental breakdown on two Sundays ago when I had my cast because my mom was helping me get food and I was tired of it. So I hopped over with my crutches to the kitchen, grabbed a pack of blueberries, and then realized that I didn't have enough hands to hold the blueberries and hold my crutches. And I'm telling you, I cried. (laughs) Mind you, I have family who's bringing me groceries, who's doing everything for me. That showed me that I, although I'm a giver, like everyone who knows me knows I give, I don't feel worthy of receiving. And I needed to force myself. So now when she's like, what do you want to eat? Against every single discomfort, I'm like this, and she brings it to me. So you have to actually force yourself. And with the gifts thing the way i've been able to reframe that in my mind is that i am deserving of getting what i give to others you're probably a giver and you're probably the person people depend on which tends to be the people who ask for nothing because they don't want to inconvenience people but if people are willing to do for you it's actually their pleasure um if you're willing to do for people it's usually their pleasure to do for you because i know that if i love someone it's my joy to make them happy. So now I'm depriving the people who love me of doing that joy to me and showing me gratitude. So when you flip it in that way, it often makes it a little bit easier. Start with little things. If someone says, do you need something? Just ask for something small. Like if someone's on their way to you, say, can you grab me a coffee from Tim Hortons and then build yourself up to the grand deals. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I would say, just ask yourself, like, why do I not feel worthy of these things? You know, it's, it's kind of like, You have to really look internally and it's hard because then you may realize a few things about yourself, but I had a financial therapy session uh, before, and this is actually what came up in the session. Like the fact that I don't like asking people for anything. I don't spend money on myself, but I spend money on other people. Like, so I would really encourage you to look internally and like actually sit with it and figure out like why do I not and mine was kind of like I don't like people holding things over my head right like oh I gave you this so you should do xyz you know so I would I would encourage you to look internally I think someone had their hand up was it or who yeah I was
2: okay do you want to ask your question we can't hear you I think you're
1: i think will we come back to her okay we'll come back to you i think someone's baby wants to add (laughs) okay
2: so
0: we're on to bammy's question uh were there times when you regretted starting your business when you were thirty thousand dollars in debt if so how did you
1: overcome it actually wildly enough no i i I had braced myself for the fact that this is a real possibility, you know, and for me, my whole mindset was, if you don't believe that this business is going to succeed, dust off off your resume and apply for another job. Because you have the education, you have the skills, you have the experience. So I didn't go in thinking, oh, I'm not going to go into debt. I understood that businesses usually Some businesses fail within the first five years and people are often in the red for the first four. So me being in the red, although it was red inside my high interest credit card, it was something that I had already anticipated. And because of that, it wasn't shocking. And part of what I did was not tell anybody because my conviction, was only strong enough. The roots were only deep. They weren't wide. So I couldn't go tell somebody who would now make me panic. So I just kept it to myself and didn't even expose the debt I was in to anyone. I'd say until 2022, when I was already like, yo, we're going to pay this off in six months. That's when I brought people in. So I had to really, it was a solo journey, but I had the capacity for it because it was my journey to take
0: yeah that's that's hard to do i don't know i feel like me i would have buckled after like ten thousand, and down i've been like okay i'm getting a job but um that's just my but i guess yeah it all depends on how much you believe in yourself and you believe also i guess it's a a balance like you believe in yourself but also let's be a bills to pay let's be logical so i guess it's there's a balance that you have to find out um oi do you want to try again
2: no we can't hear you you want to you wanna leave and then come back in or put it in the chat even or or in the chat
0: okay does anybody else have questions for tokes i know we're almost at time but if you have questions we'll we answer that yeah
1: for sure yeah yeah um yeah.
4: bami does go ahead Ben. Hi. I have another question. Um, So I don't know if this is like, like if this ties to money mindset specifically, or just mindset in general, but what you were saying with like being a a giver, but when it's time to receive. So is that same thing with like, you're okay to do something like for everyone? Or like, for me, I find like, I'm like, I could drive to like, Ottawa at like, no problem. (laughs) But when I want, like, I always drive to people, it's like, oh no, I'll come to, over to you, or like, but when it's time for like people to come, visit, it's like, oh no, don't worry about it, like, I'll just come over to you, like, is that the same thing, or is it, like, I guess, I don't even really know, my question is like, does it show up in, yeah, I think, so it, is that like tied to money as well, or is that like completely,
1: I think it, different? everything is connected, because how we perceive ourselves allows us to, to ask for, or not ask for things, right, like, If you're willing to inconvenience yourself and drive to Ottawa for people, but when they say they want to reciprocate, you don't want to inconvenience them. What is it about them that is worth inconveniencing yourself for, but you don't think that they should inconvenience themselves for you? And then that now goes into how we perceive ourselves, which then means that if there's an opportunity with money or spending, because at the end of the day, you're spending money and time. Gas is not cheap. Driving, I don't know if you're in, the, in Toronto, but if you are three and a half hours to Ottawa, that's our time has value, right? So you're willing to spend all of yours for people, but when they want to spend for you, you're not comfortable accepting, which means that that can show up in different ways, in many different ways, right? If it's a job opportunity and they're like, these are our rates. Are you like, I want to be in the middle? Is it if there's an opportunity to push or maybe somebody has a connection that you know could help you with your doctorate? And you're like, I don't want to bother inconvenience someone. So now you're not asking for things that can help you level up, which in turn can delay your money and have that money effect, right? So it's our mind and how we perceive ourselves, literally trickles into every single part of our life. And the sooner we understand that and put enough weight on the value of our lives, the sooner we start to do that work and realize that I can't afford to continue like this, because it's going to show up in some weird places that I don't even want to have to deal with in the long run. So it is all attractive. Time is money. You're spending time, you're spending gas money, and you're not letting people spend that time with on you. It's the same. It's all connected. So I hope it helps.
4: No. Yeah, no, that was good. That's
1: good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Ruth? It's given. It's given therapy. It's given therapy. <laughs>
0: I love it. <laughs>
2: My next <I> love <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um, Ruth, do you want to ask
2: I'm your just, question? I'm just gonna go
1: Ruth, you're cutting out. Yeah, we can't hear you clearly.
2: Can you hear me now?
1: Yeah, much yeah. better.
2: So I, I, I was just saying, I'm just going to go off of Bambi's question. But my question would be, how do you get out of the mindset? It's, it's surrounding asking for help. <clears throat> I've never been the person to ask for help. I was independent in my whole life. And even my parents who are comfortable helping me, like I can ask my parents who literally lead the world and they'll give it to me. Um, I don't want to bother people. But I've been trying to, especially with my support system, and sometimes what you find you ask for help, and it's either you get mixed signals, or people let you down, or, you know, it's just iffy, <laughs> you know, the help is very questionable. And that really kind of strikes my motivation to kind of ask people for anything. So now I find that I'm very skeptical with doing it. And even when I know I can, I just don't want to because I'm afraid of being hurt or with them in that way, knowing that I always give people my arm, but I don't receive that.
1: Yeah. Um of course, Ruth, that is it's sounds tough. And I I completely understand because same but something that I think people are going to let us down. Human beings are human beings, right? You even, and I say you as in all of us, we've let people down, whether we intended to or not, right? That is not something that we can avoid, but there's something that I do. It's kind of like FOMO, like so fear of missing out, but I write a list for the things that are worthy to me of what I would miss out on if I didn't do it. So keeping it high level, because we're talking about money here, if, if, for example, I wanted to buy a house and that is my goal, not only will I say I want to buy a house and I want to save money. No, let's say my goal is to um, save $20,000. Instead of just saying, oh, I want to save $20,000 and I'll put away aside money every week, I actually attach it to emotions. So what are the things that I would miss out on if I didn't save this $20,000? So it could be anything from I'm not going to have the financial stability to quit my job. I'm not going to be able to get the down payment for the house and the market's getting crazier. So the longer I wait, the worse it's going to get. So I will actually attach strong emotions to the things that I want. So yes, I might be disappointed by people, but if I decide to allow the one person who disappointed me or the five people who disappointed me to block me from all of the opportunities to connect with people who could get me to my next level. Yes, the pain is there. Yes, the fear is there. But what I want for my future, the life I want, the opportunities I want, the connections I need to make, they are heavier in the weight of my emotions than the potential disappointment. Because there are going to be people, you will reach out to somebody, and then they'll do, a, do you a solid, and then three months down the line, oh, I made her. You know Those things happen. But it's okay. If you need to know, think that you made me, and I still got to where I needed to be, you can hold, hold the glory. Like you can have that glory because the door I entered because of you making me and what I've been doing inside, that is way more important to me than me trying to fight against the ego of someone who can hold it over my head. Cause at the end of the day, if we think about people, people aren't fools, right? Rennie brought me in here today to speak to you all because she trusts me. If Rennie were to say, although I know this is not Rennie, like, Rennie's personality, but if somebody were to say, oh, I brought her in and I exposed her to my audience and now she's getting opportunities through them or supporters. The thing is that Rennie herself knows that her audience means a lot to her and she wouldn't bring me into this space to speak to you if I wasn't someone she trusted. So although I come in and I get an opportunity with you, you guys also trust Rennie deeper because Rennie is bringing you good resources that you can trust. So we all win, right? And if mm-hmm. And that's how you need to look at it. There are things that people are going to do and their ego is going to try to do whatever they want to do. But your purpose, your path, your destination is more important than anything they are saying, anything they're doing. And that's why it's worth it to ask. If I don't ask for what I need and I hinder my progress by five years because I've had too much ego to ask people, what am I losing in those five years that I'm gaining my pride of not asking? And what are the, th- why are those things so painful that I can't afford to lose them? And when I hold that weight against the fear of people betraying me, it the scale's balance like this. So I'm more likely to do those things. So it's really about determining what your value is and gaining that value or putting that value ahead of any potential losses that you can incur. Thank you so
2: much.
1: Thank you so welcome. much. It's really I've given
2: thought. therapy. <laughs> <I'm wrong. laughs> I always thought she should be a therapist.
0: Um, so, one thing that I often see with our group members is that some people are, so maybe they have a goal, but they keep dipping into the money for their goal because, say, someone asks for money and then they, like, say they're trying to save $20,000 this year, they're putting the money away in the account, but then every time, someone needs money they'll take the money out of their savings and give it to somebody else how I know that has to be like a mindset thing because me unfortunately my goal is my goal unfortunately I don't have the money to give you that's my logic but I know a lot of people are like "What? why why does this happen and how can we overcome it if that is if that feels like us like we're always and it may not just be taking the money to give to somebody else. It maybe just, you know, I want to have fun this weekend. So let me take money out of my goal for, for me. So, so for that fun. So how do we overcome this? And why does this even
1: happen? Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's twofold, especially the okay. backing part that you said about like taking on money to spend on yourself. Um, okay, so the first part really goes back to value. If I'm saving for something and somebody's asking me for money and I give it to them, that's my limiting belief that what I'm saving this money for is not as valuable as what this person needs. And, you know, sometimes when we put it into words like that, it sounds so harsh, but our actions are speaking, our actions are shouting. So we actually need to just pay attention to what our actions are saying, because your actions are telling you that what you have, what you're doing is not as valuable as what this person requires. And until you decide, like Rennie said, my goal is my goal. You see the energy and the vim she said that with, she's not playing about what concerns her, which means when you come, it's not that I don't love you, but I also love me. And I love these places I need to be because I can't afford not to get to the places I need to be. You know, I'm not going to be, there's enough things blocking us in this life. I'm not going to be another roadblock on my path to success. There's enough things that are already trying to do that to us. Right. And the second part about like spending money, I think it's important to. Instead of demonizing our habits, pay attention to what our habits are. I recently did a financial strategy session with somebody. And part of what that person discussed was the fact that when they become overwhelmed and sad, they spend money. They go shopping and stuff because it makes them feel better. But at the same time, once they've spent all that money and they're feeling better, they look at the money they've spent and they feel guilty. And I'm like, instead of us demonizing this habit, let's make space for this habit. If you know that you're somebody who is impulsive shopping when you're sad, I told her to make an, oh shit account, excuse my language. So every single week, put in 20 to $30 every single week into this, oh crap account. And on the days where you're feeling sad and you want to shop, go into that account, see how much is there and only spend that amount. I'm not saying cut it out, right? Because we have habits. There are things that we do that make us feel good. And I don't think anything that you want to change long-term is not you need to create sustainable habits it's not just cold turkey i don't believe in that i don't same way i don't believe in diets right i need to have lifestyle changes that i can keep long term because if i say i'm never going to eat chips the day i get a bag of chips i'm downing the whole bag you know so pay attention to what your habits are and make accommodations and kindness to yourself because if you're feeling guilty about the things you're doing that's also demonizing your mindset i don't have discipline i'm i'm not a good person i can't keep my word those are not that's not good spaces. That's not the nutrients you need to like manifest your fruit, right? So pay attention to what you're doing and make room for the things that you know you can't escape. In the summer, I spend more money because I leave my house more. So in the winter, I save up some of that money that I'm not spending towards my summer budget because I spend like a thief in the summer. Instead of saying, oh, I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to go out. When the sun gets hot, I misbehave. And I know this to be the truth. So instead of now when September hits, I'm looking at the accounts and I'm sad and i like, you messed up. I make accommodations for the truths that I hold because I'm paying attention and I'm honoring myself instead of demonizing, right? So it's really just taking those hard looks at yourself and being honest. Um, Josie.
3: Yes, thank you so much for sharing. Everything has been on 10 tonight um i have a question or a follow up related to something that you just said along the lines of you know when someone is asking for money let's 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 focus specifically on like black tax right um theoretically we would love to be like i have this goal i don't want to share my money or give my money because i'm working towards this thing but realistically or maybe even more practically if we can touch a bit more on the practical side of like maybe what does a conversation look like? Because when you have your loved ones who are there and you have this guilt, like right now we're in this safe space and, you know, we're encouraged and we're inspired. But then when we go back to these places where, you know, it's not easy, (laughs) it's rough. And you're like, yes, I want to help. I want to support, um, or I feel bad, or I feel terrible, or someone's asking you for money. Like what what are you tangibly saying? Um, because no, like your parents are not trying to hear that like you have this goal, or like your your siblings are not trying to hear that, like maybe they are, but they people still they still don't ask, right? So what what what's like a tangible script for a lack of a better word, or something that you've used in the past or anyone else in the group um to use when you want to stay true to yourself in this financial journey?
1: Hmm. I think. It, it it shifts depending on people and the people you're having conversations with. I'd say another thing to do before we even get into scripts is exercise wisdom. And this kind of goes back to the wealth guilt, right? Like if you're telling everyone around you how much you make and they're doing calculations of your paycheck for you and now you want to tell them that you ain't got it, it it, it can be a little, <laughs> a little dicey, you know? So maybe we don't share that we just got that 40, 25% raise Maybe we
3: The thing is, like, my, I for my I remember my first job. My parents literally asked me, "So, like, what's good? What what you making?" And they like want specifics. And you over yeah. here hot because they are like, what? Hot. <laughs> I yeah, and
0: I share. I literally share my income online, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people ask, like, someone the other day just asked me for $2,500 and they were like I don't know um when I'll be able to pay you back right and I, I was, wait first of all I was and they're, they're close but not close enough to ask me that like I was just a little like whoa this is I was like this is not Toks asking me this is like you know um and she was like yeah I don't know when I'll be able to pay back this is this. and I was like hmm and I just told her straight up honestly like I it's not I literally said it's not in the budget right now I like that's that's what I had to say and she respected it and that was it um and obviously I wished her well and if my best friend asked for that money then I would definitely try and figure out as much as I can comfortably give her but I only give out money that I cannot afford to lose like I I am I know that people often do not pay you back so like I literally like I just I'm like, if I cannot afford to lose this money right now, then unfortunately I cannot afford to give this money right now. And again, I just said, unfortunately, like right now I have a really strict budget and some goals that I'm working towards and it's not in the budget right now. She respected it. So, and we're still friends for now, at least. So, (laughs) so yeah, folks.
1: I think also something that Renny just touched on is like, she respected it, but they might not. You know, I feel like some of the reason why we don't, we are afraid to say no to people is because we sometimes attach our value in people's lives to the things we do for them. And we're afraid to say no, because if we say no, and we're not doing what is our value in their life. And this also goes back to mindset, right? Like if I'm going to say no to someone, I'm not expecting them to, to walk away smiling. What I'm expecting is that they honor my note even if their face is wrinkled and they don't talk to me for a bit because I'm honoring myself, right? Our boundaries are to honor us. People respecting our gate doesn't mean they're happy it's up, you know? So it's one of those things where, of course there are certain situations and instances that happen where I see there's a need and although I didn't budget it, I adapt things to make room for that need. But if it's constantly, 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 and I really don't have the capacity You have to think of why it's worth it. If I give everybody, if okay, as an entrepreneur, I have to create my own pension. I don't have a backup. So if I'm giving everybody this money that I'm supposed to be compounding into my future, what happens to me 30 years down the line because of the mistakes that the decisions that I'm making today? And now why is it worth somebody saying, ah, she's greedy for me to do that? Because 60 years, 30 years down the line, when I'm 60 years old, the consequences of my actions today are going to shout. They're going to shout in goodness, or they're going to shout in generational trauma of me now making my children have to do for me what I felt guilty about doing because of the decisions I made today. And another thing is, if we know that there are certain people in our lives that we want to support, create that budget, create that space. If it's $20 a week, so you end up with $80 a month, and somebody is telling you to send money or do something, that's what you have capacity for. And the less they ask, the more that pot grows. Maybe by the time they ask, there's 200 in there and somebody, and then you're able to do 200, but accommodate the truths that you hold in your life. Not everybody's able to say no. And to some people, I know that there are certain people that they ask me, like for me to say no to them would like be so hard because what they do for me and the love I have for them and the fact that I know they never ask, I know I'll just always give. So how do I make accommodations for that, right? Like I have family members who are Muslim, family members who are Christian back home in Nigeria. Right now is Ramadan and Easter. Like that's a lot of giving to them, right? They don't ask me, but during those times of the year, I'm like, let me just do something for them, you know? So understand what your truths are and then make financial and mental accommodations for these things and realize that people are not going to appreciate it, but they're not going to have a choice if I say no, what are you going to do? Steal my debit card and go in? You can't. You're just going to scrumple up your face and eventually you're going to get over it. And if you don't get over it, that also enlightens me. If somebody truly doesn't care about you doing what's best for yourself, what does that tell you about the regard in which that person holds you and the dynamic of that relationship? It brings up hard conversations. Hard conversations are uncomfortable, but it's more uncomfortable to tread on eggshells or eventually trip over all the things you've been pushing under the rug because when that happens, it's a bigger explosion versus when we're just having those conversations on and on with those people over time.
0: Well said. I I think there's that saying that people who get upset when you set boundaries are those who benefited from you having none. So I think we should realize that. I think the book uh, How to get, I Will Teach You How to Be Rich has like scripts around this as well. So maybe. Um, we can look at some in there. Okay, so we're we're over time. So <laughs> if anyone has one more question, we'll take it, and if not, we will close for the night. But again, this recording will be posted afterwards. So if anyone has a question, feel free to ask in the chat or unmute yourself
2: Okay, I have a question for tokes. Tokes. Uh, How can they find you
0: if they would like to find you or work with you? I know Tasia mentioned she wants to work with you.
1: Yeah. um, So by the end of tonight, Rennie and I were talking about it. My Calendly link is going to be up in my, um, in my link in bio on my socials um, to be able to set up a financial or a strategy session about whatever you'd like an hour and a half. Um, You can find me everywhere on the internet at Talks. That's just kind of what everything is. Instagram, YouTube. I'm really trying to grow my YouTube, so I'd love it if you would subscribe. Shameless plug. Um, Yeah, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, everything is Tokes Talks. I want to thank you all so much for taking the time to really like spend an hour and like 22 minutes of your day really sitting here and talking with me. And I really do hope that the conversations we had today will... Impact you positively and maybe even enlighten you to some things. This is like uncomfortable, but trust me, when you get to the other side of your boundaries and your mindset, you're like, I was really operating in the pits. Like, (laughs) you'll realize that there's so much liberation and opportunity and confidence and just peace of mind when you're not like skirting around situations and um, avoiding them. And when you really understand the value that you have, the value that your money has, and you're able to walk in it very confidently. (music) you <music>